the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins unto God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence and eternal punishment. But for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may be life in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for us, and for his sake forgives us all of our sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O King of David and scepter of the house of Israel, you open and no one can close, you close and no one can open. Come and rescue the prisoners who are in darkness and the shadow of death. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me salvation. 
salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Oh, yeah. 
Jesus Christ, we implore you to hear our prayers and to lighten the darkness of our hearts by your gracious visitation. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The scripture readings for this, the third Sunday in Advent, the Old Testament lesson from the 61st chapter of the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins, and they shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epistle lesson from the fifth chapter of First Thessalonians. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast that which is good, abstain from every form of evil. And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. in respect of Christ, to whom the Holy Gospel is read. Hallelujah, behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. Glory to you, O There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. And so they said to him, well, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. And now they had been sent from the Pharisees. And they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. And these things took place in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, o Together we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, 
born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. mercy and peace be yours from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for today is from the first chapter of St. John. These words you heard a moment ago, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light. He himself was not the light, but he came only as a witness to the light. So far our text, dear friends in our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a phrase that's long been popular with Americans, especially in the entertainment industry. You may call your next witness. 
In these United States, we've long been fascinated by the courtroom drama. Recall how often some of you have heard that phrase in bygone television series, you may call your next witness. Those bygone series like Perry Mason, or more recently, L.A. Law. But in more recent times, too, the phrases remain commonplace in a wide variety of television programs, TV courtroom dramas like the popular series Law and Order in all of its manifestations. Or there's The Practice or Boston Legal with William Shatner. Crossing Jordan, you'll still find Matlock with Andy Griffith holding forth in syndication. Of course, you can hear the phrase in spades on certain cable TV channels, too. Channels like Court TV programming, dedicated exclusively to the activity of our nation's judicial system. And then there's been no shortage of the use of the phrase lately due to a number of celebrity trials out there that come to us, are brought to us throughout the day across our airwaves and through our cable. And of course, as it always has been, the phrase, you may call your next witness, continues to be a favorite on the silver screen, too, as Hollywood continues to satisfy our appetite for those big screen courtroom dramas, whether you've got 12 angry men or a few good men. It's even found its way into the holiday classics. Recall, for instance, the old Christmas favorite Miracle on 34th Street. Maybe you've seen it already this season. Miracle on 34th Street in which good old St. Nick finds himself on trial because he's charged with impersonating the real deal. You may call your next witness. Consider our sermon text for a moment. And I think you'll conclude that this is exactly what God was doing. It's exactly what God was doing in John the Baptist. He was calling his next witness. He was bringing another voice onto the stand to testify for all to hear of the Christ who was to come. Now the list of witnesses was already quite lengthy. Hundreds of years indeed in the making. Recall there was Moses who called to take the stand foretold of the coming prophet who would eclipse all other prophets. We even heard a reference to it in our gospel reading today. The prophet. Moses, who scripture says wrote of Christ. There was Job, who with nearly uncontained enthusiasm gave testimony of his Redeemer who lives, who was to come. There was David, who took the stand, giving testimony in chillingly accurate detail about the death of the Messiah, even preciting, not reciting, but preciting some of the very words that the Messiah would utter from the cross. And of course, there was Isaiah whose testimony we've been hearing and considering during our weeks of Advent, not only Wednesday nights, but certainly Sundays as well. Isaiah, whose testimony, perhaps more fully than any other, gave witness to the person and the purpose of the Messiah to come. Born of a virgin, a branch from the stem of Jesse's line, Isaiah, who testified to us, even this morning you heard him say that the Spirit of the Lord would be upon him. And he'd bring good news, this Messiah, and and bind the brokenhearted, proclaim, proclaim liberty to the captives. And unshackle the prisoners. Isaiah, who testified that we would esteem this one, smitten, stricken of God, and afflicted. 
And we did. Upon his cross, we did. And yet as a lamb before its shearer is silent, Isaiah said he would open not his mouth. And he didn't. And don't forget all the minor players too. The minor players who had big things to say as they took the stand. Micah, who testified that the Christ would come from Bethlehem, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though she be little among the clans of Judah. Or there was Zechariah who gave testimony that he would come riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey, that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And that they would then look upon him whom they pierced. And there was Daniel, and there was Haggai, and there was Malachi, and the list of witnesses goes on and on. At their God-appointed times, they had all taken the stand to give the Spirit-inspired truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, concerning the coming Christ. And now, calling his next witness, God sent John to take the stand. For so we're told in our text, there came a man who was sent from God, his name was John, and he came as a witness to testify concerning the light. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to that light. And so, in the midst of the arid and parched wilderness beyond the Jordan, there John took the stand. His testimony corroborated it. It confirmed the testimony of prophetic voices, and yet his was different. This particular witness gave testimony unlike any yet given. And the difference is enough to make anyone sit up and take note and pay close attention. Because you see, cross-examined thoroughly by those priests and Levites sent to John, John, you see, testified not of the Christ who was to come, He testified of the Christ who already is here. There stands one among you, John said, whom you do not know. Now that's a game changer, as they say. That's a game changer. It's the kind of testimony that draws, that compels a collective gasp from the courtroom crowd. There stands one among you whom you do not know. And how very... Pertinent John's testimony is for the world yet today. Pertinent to you, O world at large, because there stands the same one still among you today, and yet you know him not. Would that the words of the evangelist had flickered out, but they burned on and still do because he comes still to his own world of man and his own do not receive him. They don't even know that he's there. Like blind men, so said Isaiah, is the sin-darkened world groping in spiritual darkness. Though the light of noonday shines bright, yet seeing, O world, you do not see him who is among you. Seeing blindly, you do not see, O world, that the light of the world shines in your darkness from his altar. From his altars and from his pulpits and his fonts and his lecterns. Here he shines in your darkness, O world. Here he stands. Among you, but you know him not, O world. How very pertinent John's testimony still is for Christians yet today. Pertinent for us Christians too, because it's, it's easy for us to forget, and, and we all do it. We all forget how it is that he does stand here 
shining among us. It's in that word. It's in that word that you encountered, or rather I should say in that word that encountered you just moments ago. It is, as the church confesses, the viva vox Jesu, the living voice of Jesus. Jesus the Christ, and mark it well today, friends, Jesus Christ here has spoken to you. The Christ spoke to you. You sat, and then you stood, and he spoke. Now your pastor reads, as he has been for years now, and as as you've heard it for years. The pastor reads, but the words aren't his. He's merely the messenger. And should it matter to us that God channels his living voice through a messenger? It certainly didn't matter to the Christmas shepherds, who hearing the angelic voice, the God sent angelic voice, they hastened to the manger. It certainly didn't matter to Mary that it was Gabriel that echoed the living voice of God, announcing unto her her motherly status, the Theotokos, the God-bearer. It mattered none to those who heard and received John's testimony. Today, I tell you, here you have encountered and do encounter the living incarnate God. And so, dear Moses, remove those metaphoric sandals. Remove all sandals of secularity, all sandals of nonchalance, for the I am is here. The place upon which you stand is holy ground. The I am stands here among you in his word, in his water, body and blood, or do we, dear Christians, so easily forget? Do we live life, dear Christians, as if he doesn't stand and dwell among us, though invisibly yet actually? Remember the living voice of God spoken through the exhortation of Paul in the epistle reading today? He said, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil, But do we? We don't. Do we live as if he's not among us? To see that which is done in secrecy, as if he doesn't know the secret chambers of the heart. These things we do. And Isaiah tells us our sins testify against us. That is the testimony of John. It is the testimony of John. It is the truth for which we all need to repent. It is the truth, but it's not the whole truth. You see, the testimony of this star witness on the stand is not yet complete. Cross examined the prosecuting priests and Levites, inquired, Who are you then, John? Under divine oath, John confesses, and he does not deny, but confesses, I am not the Christ. And then, almost as if the exchange required more, and because John was sent by God to testify to more, and then he says, as if the legal counsel in the courtroom asks, well then, do you see here among us, do you see the person in question here in the courtroom? As if. Then as a bold and completely confident witness upon the stand might lean forward in his chair, And with a gesture of utmost certainty, raise his hand and identify that one in question. So John did lift his head and raise his voice in his hand and point squarely at Jesus of Nazareth and say, Behold, 
Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold, O world. Behold, O Christian. Let the record show who the witness has identified. And in fact, I give you his very sworn affidavit. We have it in the first chapter of John, and I quote John the Baptist said, I have seen and testified that this Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God. Now, of course, it's true that when a witness on the stand identifies one in the courtroom, it's usually the charged defendant that's being identified. Don't you see? That's the beauty and the wonder of it all. Jesus Christ, God's Son, is become the charged. He is the world's defendant. Barabbas, you're unshackled. You're free to go. God sentenced his son instead. And indeed, while that Good Friday Calvary courtroom drama and sentence was unfolding here on earth, the Christ was simultaneously being judged and found guilty of every indictment, of every sin, of every person, of every age, by the highest and most supreme court in heaven where God is judged. For you see, as Paul says it, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Christ, the guilty. Luther loved the thought. He said, and all the prophets saw this, Luther said. They saw that the Christ was to become the greatest thief and greatest murderer and greatest adulterer and robber and desecrator, blasphemer that ever there, there has been anywhere in the world. And now Luther said he is not the son of God born of the virgin. No, he is a sinner. Now he has and bears the sin of Paul, the blasphemer. Peter, the one who denied Christ. David, who was an adulterer and murderer. This is why, Luther says finally, John the Baptist called Christ the Lamb of God. He is, of course, innocent because he is the Lamb of God. But because he bears the sins of the world, his innocence is pressed down with the sins and guilt of the entire world. Whatever sins I, Luther says, or you, and all of us have committed or may commit in the future, they are as much Christ's, as much Christ's own as if he himself had committed them. He knew no sin, but became yours for you, and me for mine, and it's done. It's done. For let the record show that God himself has said, it is finished. So now who shall bring a charge against God's own? Who would dare? For it is God who is justified and he is judge. John was dismissed from the stand. He testified to the truth and the whole truth And then he decreased so that the truth would increase. Today, through the apostolic record of Jesus' work and the signs that he's done, which Jesus himself said is a greater greater witness than even John, 
through the apostolic record of Jesus' signs and works and through the sacramental work that he still does among us. The risen Lord now takes care of the testimony himself to all the world. In fact, Scripture says it. It says, There are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, through the word preached and read, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. And they do, don't they? Word and sacraments, they agree. You hear it. You're washed in it. You take and drink. Makes no difference. It's all Christ in your midst for the forgiveness of your sins. In every case needs a closing argument. And so the epistle writer then continues as if in a closing argument. And he says this, saving the strongest evidence for last. He says, if we believe the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. And this is the testimony of God. That he has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Dear Christians, the testimony that you have heard and the evidence that you here see, it speaks for itself. Jesus the Christ, who died for you, is still here at work among you, bringing every fruit of the cross to you, and forever will be your advocate with the Father. And so rest your case. Rest your case on the Lamb of God who has taken away all of your sin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
who has taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord Jesus Christ, our King and Redeemer, to whom your faithful people have ever cried, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Grant that with grateful hearts we too may join in the songs and praise of those in heaven and earth who rejoice at your coming. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Receive the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.